0: Welcome to In the Trenches, the podcast of the Michigan Freedom Fund. Here's your host, Tony Daunt.
1: All right, good morning, everybody. Um, Welcome to the uh, Michigan Freedom Fund podcast, In the Trenches, and some would say uh, in the bunker in terms of where we're all working from these days, joining remotely uh, to do this. So kind of interesting circumstances from the the coronavirus or, or COVID-19 pandemic that we're all dealing with. So uh, thanks to those joining us. Uh, of course, I'm Tony Don, Executive Director of the Michigan Freedom Fund. And uh, just wanted to start off before I go through introductions and, and get going into some of the topics and just uh, express our, our deep condolences and prayer, sending prayers to State Representative Isaac Robinson and his family. Uh, his his mother, former state representative Robinson, uh, caucus members um, and, and House members, uh, you know, brings home the reality of all of this. I think to people in Lansing of of it's an indiscriminate disease that uh, will take uh, take anybody. And um, it's good that we're all taking this seriously and um, and doing our part to social distance. So again, our condolences and prayers to to the representative and his family and his friends and. Uh, you know, Pray for grace and for healing in this time. That being said, I, I would like to introduce those joining us today. We've got Jace Bolger joining us, former Speaker of the House and um, current board member for the Michigan Freedom Fund. We've got Beth Deschone, Executive Director of the Great Lakes Education Project. And Mike Wrights, Executive Vice President for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. And thanks to each of them for joining us. And I think, obviously, probably more the most fitting thing to start off with would be your thoughts on kind of the the response thus far from from the government, uh, you know, government at all levels. Probably in particular here at the state government. Anything that you think has been done particularly well, and some things, anything that gives you cause or concern. So I'll, I'll kick it off. And what do you think, Jace?
0: Well, I think it's been a mixed bag. Um, I I think people are trying to do their best. So I don't ascribe any bad motives where I disagree with something somebody has done. Um, But as I look, maybe um, the highlight, some of the best is lifting restrictions, kind of trying to get government out of the way. Um, I mean, if government masters anything, it's uh, a master of unintended consequences. Uh, We see it in sending school kids home with potentially people so are most socialized citizens are being sent home, uh, potentially with grandparents, and aunts and uncles, uh, where they shouldn't be exposing them. Uh, we see in Southeast Michigan being closed to people packing up and moving to Northern Michigan. So leaving an area where the uh, virus was most heavily spreading and going to an area that not only wasn't it spreading, but uh, that had medical facilities without the same capabilities, uh, without the same number of beds. Um, So we gotta be careful of uh, those unintended consequences. And as we look, we've all got, uh, we lament the dearth of tests and test availability, but I think many would say it's FDA regulations that have made those tests not as readily available as they otherwise could be or should be. And we see government regulations like the certificate of need process that limits artificially the number of hospital beds we could have right now, the number of CT scans, et cetera. So where government has done its best, I think, has been to kind of lift those restrictions or get out of the way, uh, removing barriers. Um, Where I think there's big opportunity for improvement, it's that move to how do we operate safely? How do we focus on what's gonna keep people safe instead of the proverbial doing something? Um, you know there are a lot of people who could operate without with social distancing, um, but they, I think we all could benefit from some some checklists you know should we be wearing masks? Um, what conditions should or could we work under instead, I think it 's a little misguided to just do essential services and then effectively say we 're essentially all going to be exposed in those kind of areas let's let's get better about all let's get better about where we have to be and let's get better about where we can be on how we're going to live with this disease
1: yeah I, I think those are great points and in particular you know I hadn't even really thought about the issue of people from from southeast Michigan uh, dispersing into other parts of the state where they like you said don't have that capability and so there's there's so many Things that could possibly go wrong with with decisions, and like you said, um, you know, I think everybody's trying to do their best. I'm sure this weighs heavily on all of them, but um, you know, care, careful for, for knee jerk reactions, uh, certainly. Um, Beth, what what about kind of your thoughts? I'm sure you've got some some things that have been concerning to you regarding uh, education, maybe particularly coming out of the Michigan Department of Education. But uh, I'll let you, you know, speak to that.
2: Yeah, thanks Tony. So um first would would echo much of what Jay said and someone said to me uh early last week, we will we will never know uh if we've overreacted in this situation, but we'll certainly know if we underreacted. And I, I think that was more intended for us as citizens to ensure that we are social distancing, we're staying home, we're doing our part to help and all of that. So um I think those were wise words. You know, in education, again, Jace mentioned, we, we send all of these kids home who, um, you know, let's face it, little kids in a school building are complete germ factories. So the, the thought of sending them home was, was a little bit scary um, for the potential effects that could have on their families um, or grandparents that may need to be babysitters while parents need to go to work. Um, But what we've seen so far is a bureaucracy, a Department of Education, who is completely tone deaf to the needs of our students and our families and our educators. Um, They slapped teachers in the face by telling them everything they did. To transition to to provide some normalcy for their students didn't count. Um, so I hope in the coming hours and days that we'll see some some leadership out of uh, the governor and the legislature to to rectify some of that.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know that that idea of because you know twenty percent of of kids may not have the ability to access the internet or be able to continue with their education that the, the 80% who can um, should be punished is the exact opposite of, of the solution. It's it's not take everybody down to the lowest common denominator, it should be raise everybody up. And um, you it's know, certainly no fault of those kids in, in that 20%. But um, you know, I think that lack of, of leadership is really glaring and appreciate the work that you have been doing Calling attention to this, and I know that others have been involved. So, um, you know, thank you. And you know, having, you know, I've got a young daughter, and I, you know, she she needs to continue learning. Um, they can't just be sitting at home and uh, watching YouTube videos all day. So, uh, although I think she'd probably love that, you know. Exactly. Now, how, Mike, um, you know, you you're a great ally of of our organization here at the Freedom Fund. We work closely on a whole number of of policy issues. Um, you know, your your organization isn't as, I guess, political as as ours, or as people would consider ours at times. So I'm curious, you know, do you have a different take on on some of the things that we've shared thus far um, related to policy and and developments?
3: Um, yeah, let me let me walk through. I think what's what's been done well, and and um, where maybe it can be improved, or or uh, I guess time could could tell. Um, I, first of all, I I do agree with the first point that Jace made, which is, um, to some extent in a crisis, um, we really do rely on elected officials and, and decision makers at the very top of, of, um, a particular, uh, unit of government to make the best decisions they can with the information that they have, uh, at the moment where they have it. And so there's a certain amount of uh presumption of goodwill uh that that just has to exist in a in a time like this um where we we look for um the assumption that a a, a person is is uh, making the best uh, decisions they can with the information they have um but we can at least know that certain principles do apply no matter what and uh, uh so we we try to keep those in the fore when we're making recommendations on what to do or or not to do so i think in looking at Michigan's reaction: uh, A couple things stand out to me um, as as uh, being positives. Uh, one, I I get the sense that that uh, Governor Whitmer and and uh, the legislative leadership and and others making um, decisions about uh, statewide policy really did try to react. Uh, quickly uh, once this uh, pandemic became apparent um, across the the country and, and across uh, of course the world um, you know in a lot of cases um, uh, governors uh, belong to a certain uh, fraternity and uh, they can watch what the others are doing and either uh, mimic uh, the actions of other states or or uh, decide to go in a different direction that's one of the features of our Federalist system of of government. We want those, uh, (laughs) those laboratories of of democracy. And so I, I, you know, a lot of the orders that are coming out of the governor's office right now, uh, do seem to be uh, intended to, to move quickly, um, maybe even faster than some of the west coast states that, that have had uh, a greater health crisis on their hands for a longer amount of time. Um, I think in particular the, the order that, uh, that uh, uh, shut shut the state down, uh, most businesses and, and personal travel. Um, executive Order uh, Twenty One, the the Stay Home Order. I think the governor, in drafting that, did look at the examples of other states and uh, perhaps saw that you know a completely draconian, without exception, sort of shutdown would be a, a real problem. And and so there are things that you know if if I had had my pen on the paper of the final draft I probably would have added into that order uh to allow more uh, uh freedom of movement and 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 um more clarity on what is essential or not I still think the order did respond to um the, the needs and, and and concerns of of a lot of stakeholders um things that I don't think uh, have been quite as good um I, I just I dislike the the uh the political pot shots that, that tend to take place on Sunday morning T V shows. Um and uh I think the at least the governor and the legislative leadership have maintained a, a real good level of communication and professional regard for each other, even though there's political differences. Uh but we do see a certain amount of that playing out uh between federal and state governments and I I d I don't know that it's it's necessarily helpful, uh, and it certainly colors a lot of other things uh, with the impression that uh, it's it, you know the decisions have a part of it, partisan element to them. I think uh, uh, most people uh, who who are now grounded in in their living rooms and trying to think about their getting back to their jobs are not worried about who's going to score more points on a uh, political talk show. Um, so I think I think we could do more to avoid that.
1: Well, and and that's, you know, that's kind of been um, my thinking is, in in particular in a situation like this, and because we're so polarized, um, you know, there's going to be people that don't trust what somebody from the other party says. And so if you're a a, a hardcore um, partisan Democrat, it's it's likely you're going to be very distrustful of things that Donald Trump says. And vice versa, if you're a, a, a hardcore Republican partisan, uh, some things that Governor Whitmer says, you're probably going to not take too seriously. And I think when you get into these um, shouting matches or, or, or tweet wars, it, it makes that more likely as opposed to less. And this is a situation where we need everybody taking the leadership seriously. And so I think that's, that's more than anything, aside from just how kind of uncouth it is, um, I think the damage that's being done is it makes people less likely to listen to serious instructions and take this, um, take these instructions seriously. And so I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, you had mentioned, Mike, in, in talking about this, kind of some areas of, of um, you know, policy prescriptions that could be put forward. Uh, Jace, you talked about it uh, a little as well. And so, you know, we worked with, with you, Mike, at the, at the, uh, Mackinac Center, your team to, did a great job kind of brainstorming on some things and worked with us at the Food Fund and the Great Lakes Education Project to, to provide to the legislature and to provide to the governor on some things that can be done, should be done at a time like this. Jace, you mentioned a few of them related to a uh, certificate of need and making it easier for health professionals to uh, practice in a state other than their own. Um, there was something that I think when, when I first saw it, was like, this is kind of silly, um, but then when I thought about it more, um, it made perfect sense. And that was related to the bottle deposit and suspending that so that people weren't basically bringing their garbage into supermarkets. And so I, that was adopted relatively quickly. And um, I'm curious, you know, related to these policy prescriptions we put forward, and, and I think maybe Jace, um, your role as a former Speaker of the House, um, you know, how how can the legislature continue to be effective with policy prescriptions, with being part of the discussion? Because governors do have wide um, leeway here in a situation like this.
0: Yeah, Well, the, the governor has a wide leeway for that 28-day period of the emergency. Uh, after that, um, I think the legislature needs to work in close concert with her, and I, I understand that they are talking with her as she issues executive orders. Um, they need to help her provide clarity on what's going to be long-lasting versus the immediate response. Um, and I, I think it's important for groups like this to come up with ideas to help share those with policymakers. Um, uh, I would say opinions are like, well, let me say Easter's. Everybody has one. Um, But answers are hard. It's easy to sit back and ask questions, but it's hard to provide answers. But what really matters are solutions and results. And so I think while it would be easy for uh, the collective us. Let's just sit back and take pot shots. I think especially at times like these, we need to be resources for those who are in office and help uh, them come up with ideas. As I say, I think uh, uh, unintended consequences are unfortunately easy to realize. I think we need well thought out uh, solutions that really empower people and uh, that get the benefit of enterprise. Uh, I think you know, the greatest power that exists is that within people, their creativity and their heart, their desire to be helpful. So I'm happy to kick it back to you or the Mackinac Center to talk about some specific items. But I think it's, it's overall though, it's, uh, it's important to go about that, to, to put the thought in and um, really give the effort to providing solutions.
1: Well uh, you know and in, in, to that to that end we we certainly um, as I mentioned a, a, a few moments ago we, we did put that together it's um, you know for those listening and are interested in what some of these solutions um, that we've put forward are uh, you can go to our website Michiganfreedomfund.com and that document is available on the website and you can download it as a PDF and um, it, it gives a list of things that the governor or government, should be doing and things that it shouldn't be doing, and uh, I, I talked about a few of them. You know, waiver of uh, the repeal of certificate of need, the bottle deposits. Um, uh, you know, separate one for instance, separate COVID nineteen items from other supplemental appropriations, and um, you know, I think it's it's um, related to making sure that what we're doing now addresses the problem, um, and. And shows that some of the ideas that we have as conservative policy minds um, are right in a situation like this because it makes it easier for government and enterprise to respond, um, but that it's also the right policy moving forward because, you know, I you know, at the risk of of using a situation like this to kind of advance policy goals, you know, in, in a way certainly um, the way that Nancy Pelosi and some of the Democrats in Washington did with, with that. Uh, stimulus bill was was disgusting uh, using it to um, you know, advocate for airlines to uh, reduce their carbon footprint when we're they 're discussing the bill of how to basically bail them out because they have no no passengers um, but I think what you see in these situations and maybe mike you can you can um, hit on this a little bit is um, in in crises like this, the government is usually almost always. Looking for ways to cut the red tape and to reduce some of the regulations that are in place, which which makes you think, well, what's their purpose to begin with? Um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's an it's an opportunity, not one to be exploited, but an opportunity to point out the the, the positive of conservative policy prescriptions. Um, Winter, okay?
3: Yeah, and I I think I think that's right, and and couple. Couple kind of high level thoughts, and then then I could talk about a couple of examples in this this list of uh, policy recommendations that you that you mentioned. So at the top of the program, you you mentioned that the Mackinac Center is a nonpartisan organization, and that's true. Um, we we uh, we don't um, cheer for for sides in the political process. You know, we work with with policymakers on on both sides. Uh, that said, we do have opinions about what is uh ideal policy versus uh less than ideal and in general um, we believe that uh an approach that that um, empowers the free market to work and empowers individuals to make their own choices uh versus the government making them for them uh that that's uh the ideal approach in in most public policy questions and so we do look at things sort of through with with a uh, through the prism of, is this more government intervention or less? And is it uh, temporary government intervention or is it permanent? Um, you know, we've all heard the, the the saying that, you know, there's no such thing as a temporary tax increase. Um, and, uh, and so looking at the current crisis, um, I, we found that it was helpful to ask the question, uh kind of along those two lines of is this a government intervention into um private markets or is the government getting out of the way and then is this a temporary program or is it one that's going to last uh well beyond this this current crisis and so a couple of the the recommendations um on this list that that you mentioned Tony um really got at that that question of red tape in particular Um, any red tape that has to do with the provision of medical services. So there's a couple of things that that have technical terms. One is called the Certificate of Need, and it essentially is the the permission process that a hospital or a medical facility has to get before uh, building or expanding or adding new equipment. Um, So, you know, this is a very sort of loose, Analogy, but imagine if uh, Burger King had to apply for permission to some state licensing board that m- McDonald's sat on uh, for permission to add a new grill. Uh, you know, that's the kind of that's sort of how these these uh, con laws work. And then there's uh, scope of practice restrictions, which uh, m- maybe aren't familiar to people, but they can, they can kind of get it. You know, there's different medical specialties, and and just because you've been trained in. Um you know eye care doesn 't necessarily mean that you're uh have any expertise in uh dentistry or uh public health crises and so the one of the recommendations or a couple of the recommendations in our in our uh set of uh proposals are to relax those things temporarily in the face of this um crisis. And um, really, to Governor Whitmer's credit, uh, she's adopted a couple of those things. Uh, one, one set of rules uh, being relaxed a few weeks, about a week ago, and and another over the weekend. So we're seeing some some progress there. Um, the bottle deposits that you mentioned, uh, yeah, kind of on its face. Uh, first time I saw that idea I come across uh, my email, I thought, well, what does that have to do with any of this? But but obviously um uh used bottles carry germs and someone has to pro- handle those those things at a at a grocery store which is you know one of the few facilities that are that are still open uh well, to the public
1: and i would and, say
3: you're
1: up to you but i would i would say given given the fact so many people are at home and uh maybe uh increase their their occasional day drinking cocktail intake that's quite a few of them just sitting around too. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm trying to trying to uh be be productive as much as possible, but yeah, I'm tracking with you. Um yeah, and of all the things that that I've ever done professionally, this was the one that that really did irritate my my own children when when I told them that the governor had suspended the uh the the bottle deposit program. They're like, "Hey, that's our money that <laughs> that we wanted to collect." So, um good good progress there. I think um, we also offered some cautionary ideas in this list of things to not do, things to avoid. And you know they they include things like don't don't raise taxes or add complexity to the tax code right now. Um, you know at a time where we're probably heading into a recession, uh, this is a good time to keep capital uh, and keep uh, funds in the private market, not not in government program. Programs, and uh, it's also uh, not a great time to to think about suspending transparency requirements that apply to to the government. Uh, part of you know the, the people's trust in government is based on the fact that we we kind of can peek over their shoulder and look at records or, or attend meetings, and um, and so the governor has done some things to make meetings more virtual. Which I think is appropriate in this time, um, but I think that holding the line on saying no public meetings still are public—we're just going to run them in a different way—is has been the right approach. Yeah, I,
1: I, that's that's a really good point that I think has been um, one of the things that have stood out to to me and, and to us at the Freedom Fund is the issue of transparency, because there are you know there's there's a lot of decisions being made and being made quickly and based on information that they have at the time. And I think it's important for all of us, um, not just us in terms of, you know, those of us on this call and these organizations, but us as citizens and everybody who wants to know what information they're basing these decisions on. I think that's important to keep that, to establish that trust and to keep that trust because, um, you know, as as we, Continue down this road. It it seems like so far every announcement has been made to extend um, a, a shutdown or or a recommendation um, that is constricted or restricted our our lives as opposed to opening things back up. And that may be the right decision, um, but I think we need to know what that what the data is that they're basing these off of, so that when the time comes to examine how things worked. Um, we can look back and and not for recriminations, but so that we've learned from the process, so that we know next time a crisis like this happens, we're better equipped to handle it. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious uh, from from everybody here. You know, certainly, um, I think predictions or anything like that are are somewhat um, foolish. But I'm I'm curious if if anybody's so brave as to think how, how they see this. Um, playing out over the next couple of months. Is there anything um, that, uh, that you see changing dramatically, or, or do you think you're kind of on this path? You know, maybe um, start with you, Beth, in terms of, of schools and and what what you probably will happen and what you think they should do if if um, if school is closed for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah so I'm um, I suspect that you know later this week the governor will issue an education EO um the the biggest rumor is that uh, school buildings will remain closed for the remainder of the year um I think the the details of what else come with that remain to be seen, but I would just uh, encourage her and we're encouraging the legislature as we talk to them that um, they stay focused on student learning and that, you know, six months off from March through September is unacceptable Um, and we cannot have a situation where students, are off task that long, miss that much learning, um, and then would potentially be promoted to the next grade. So we need to have every option on the table, whether it's summer school, online learning, um, taking assessments in the fall to determine where the students may be at at their achievement rate, so that we can fill in every fundamental building block they need to be successful for the remainder of their K-12 career. you know that that's that's a a pretty hefty lift, but I think we owe it to the the students. We owe it to the teachers that we need to take the time necessary to get this right for all of them.
1: And how about you, Jason? you know you having having been speaker, um, you know you've got a pretty good insight into um, you know how busy the leadership must be and, and how busy the governor's office must be dealing with this. Um, you know, how, how do you see it? or um, How would you like to see things play out um, related to getting us back on track, making sure our kids are educated, making sure that we have um, an ability to, to get the economy back up and running? Of course, taking public health um, as, as the first um, concern.
0: Well, I think, you, yeah, you ended exactly where they need to be focused. And I've got great empathy for legislative leaders right now. These are times when you run for an office, you did not imagine that this is what you'd be doing. And the complexity that they've got to deal with from how do they operate in session? They're, they've got uh, action that they need to take uh, as a legislature. Well, how do they do that safely? How do they keep their members safe? How do they keep their various staff safe? And ultimately, the focus is, how do they serve the public? And so when I see you ended where I hope they remain, and that is what's effective. Um, again, I go back to, uh, and, and I think this, uh, all the conversation here has been the right tone, but I don't want to suggest that anybody should be afraid to question uh, government and uh, officials about what they're doing, why they're doing it, what data that's backed up, and how that is going to keep us safer. Uh, because, again, there's there a lot of things that people could do just to say that they're doing something. Uh, there's a certain reward right now for being the most aggressive, uh, but it needs to be about what's most effective uh, because of the unintended consequences, because of the side effects to the things that they do. So simply put, what I hope they do is I hope they deliver solutions that keep us safe. Uh, And those may not be the the most straightforward solutions. Locking everybody in their home might ensure that we don't have uh, anybody exposed, but we know that already won't work because we need food, we need medicine, uh, we may need hardware. So that means we're gonna have some sort of operation. Therefore, let's ask the question, what's safe operation? How are we safe when we go to the grocery store or the hardware store? And can we be safe when we do our other work? Um, it, it shouldn't just be about taking action, it should be about taking action that keeps us safe. And I think there needs to be some very difficult questions asked about what's the science behind the orders that are made and what is the, what does the data say that will truly keep us safe as we live with this disease because that's what we need to, to, to focus on. We're not going to eliminate this virus, uh, at least not in the near term. We need to focus on how we're going to live with it
1: that's a great point. And I think maybe, you know, we've got a a couple of minutes here left and um, I think I'll, you know, maybe um, end, let let Mike have the last couple of words here because uh, it gets to what you just said, Jace, uh, in terms of, um, you know, don't be afraid to question and to uh, hold the government accountable. Um, And then also, Mike, what you said kind of towards the beginning of that, you know, this, this Twitter war between the governor and the president and things like that, that is utterly unproductive. How do you, you know, how do you walk that line um, so that the public doesn't tune out uh, the good things that, that we have to offer because of, uh, you know, petulant behavior from from some at the top?
3: Yeah, I, I think, um, one thing is to remember one of the beneficial features of, of our system of government that we've had for centuries is, is the, uh, ability to debate things robustly and, and freely. And I think, uh, increasingly as we move into the recovery, uh, phase and the get back to work phase, uh, of this crisis, we're going to need some space to debate ideas and um uh and and their trade-offs um so to the extent that there's a backlash uh that you can see maybe in the news media or or amongst politicians um of you know someone saying hey you know maybe we should maybe we should uh um let people work if they need to and then the backlash being oh so you want people to die is that it you know that's it's a bit of a false choice, and I think that, um, uh, you know, demonstrating the ability to, to talk about these, um, these trade-offs, uh, as Jace just did, um, is, is an important, important thing. It's, it's true that this virus is, is killing people and will continue to cost lives. It's also true that, uh, economic downturns, uh, kill people and uh, uh just the suicide rate alone in in conditions of unemployment uh that goes up and so um having the ability uh like we're doing right now to talk about how do we um how do we get to the other side of this and how do we get people back to work and what's the appropriate uh way to do that um and and what's based on real information and real science and real data versus uh, whatever uh we just saw on Facebook in the last fifteen minutes <laughs> uh, i think that's I think that 's the right approach and um, you know certainly we 've seen we 've seen that uh play out in michigan here
1: no i those are excellent points Mike and I appreciate uh, each of you joining us here today on in the trenches and and having this discussion and I hope everybody stays healthy and safe and uh, doesn't add too many cans piling up uh, into the recyclables over the next week or so. Um, So thanks all for being here. And thanks to those in the audience for listening. Thank you for joining us in the trenches. To learn more about the Michigan Freedom Fund, please
0: visit our website at www.michiganfreedomfund.com and sign up for our weekly email, The Frontlines of Freedom. In the Trenches is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and SoundCloud. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends. Thank you for listening.